some more April birthday shout-outs for my Patreon members. I want to say thank you for your support, and I hope you have an amazing birthday. It is pretty much my birthday now, so we are celebrating together. I want to say happy birthday to Sarah L., Allie, Maria, Cody, Melanie, Jessica M., Carol, Lisa Marie, Laura M., and Lark. In 2017, Patricia O'Connor was a year into her retirement after a lifetime of supporting her family. But when her family reported that she stormed out one night after an argument, no one could imagine how this case would end. I'm Charlie, and welcome to Crime Lines. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Crime Lines. Welcome to the podcast. As you know, and are probably sick of me saying, I do have a YouTube channel. Please go check it out. I cover different cases over there. They tend to be a little bit shorter, but there are also sometimes more timely ones, ones where there's an active Amber Alert or they've been making headlines. Currently, I've been recapping the Kyler Eust trial which will be a full-length episode when it concludes. And honestly, I'm recording this far enough ahead that it may be done by the time I release this episode. But you're here for today's case, and it is a case out of Ireland. I was asked a little while ago if I would consider covering an Irish case, and of course, I am open to cases from around the world as long as I can get enough information. This happens to be one that I was watching because it did take a few years for it to resolve completely. It felt like a lot of cases I follow. It's constant information and updates at first, and then the slow wheels of justice take over. But it is resolved now, so we are ready to talk about it, and it is the case of Patricia O'Connor. In about 2016, when Patricia was 60 years old, She retired from working at a hospital. Some reports say she worked in housekeeping, others in food services. But what is known is she was a hard worker. She worked not just to support herself, but she also helped support her daughter's family as well. Patricia and her husband Gus had two children, Richard and Louise. Richard was off on his own raising his family, but... Louise, even though she was a mother of five and in her late 30s, still lived at home with Gus and Patricia. Additionally, her partner of 10 years, Kieran Green, also lived in their home. They lived in Rathfarnham, which is a southern suburb of Dublin that is, I don't know, maybe strangely, maybe randomly on my short list of places I want to travel to. Dublin is high on my list, and Rathfarnham Castle is definitely one of the things I want to go see while I am there. So in 2017, a year into Patricia's retirement, this four-bedroom house south of Dublin was a bit crowded. They had six adults living there, Patricia, Gus, Louise, Kieran, and two of Louise's older children. And then Louise and Kieran had three younger children living there as well. So nine people total living in a house that wasn't very big. 
the reporting generally refers to people by their job title. So in these newspaper reports I'm reading, Patricia would be referred to as retired hospital worker Patricia O'Connor. But with Louise and Kieran, all I see them referred to as is mother of five and father of three, respectively, leaving me with the impression that either they didn't work or they weren't working steadily at the time. So the quarters were cramped, and they may have also been having some financial issues. Living in such close quarters did wear on the family, and there would be arguments, sometimes about minor issues like the family pets, and sometimes bigger issues like how Patricia didn't feel the other adults in the house were doing as much as they should be to contribute. Richard, Patricia's son, said that she was a straight shooter who said what she thought. If she thought you needed to get it together, she would tell you as much. She wouldn't back down, and that also led to arguments and some tension in the home. But Louise painted things as darker than just that. She said that Patricia was verbally abusive and at times physically. So things in the home, whether they are like Richard said and just tense with verbal arguments, or as bad as Louise was saying, where there was abuse involved, we can say that things weren't great in the spring of 2017. On May 30th, 2017, Richard was surprised when Patricia didn't call him for his birthday, since she always did. The next day, May 31st, Richard called Louise to see if everything was okay with Patricia. He couldn't call Patricia directly because Louise had Patricia's phone for some reason. So at the time, Patricia did not have a cell phone in her possession. Louise said that she hadn't heard from Patricia herself in a few days, which was odd, except for an outing to the secondhand shop every so often. Patricia didn't often leave the house. So to be gone for days was really unusual. Louise told Richard that on May 29th, the night before his birthday, Patricia had packed a suitcase and stormed out of the house. She said Patricia was angry after an argument. It sounds like it had something to do with a minor car accident Kieran had been in while he was driving Patricia's car, and there was some issue with the insurance. When Patricia left the house, she yelled, I'll be back when the old fella pops his clogs, meaning she would come back when Gus died. Patricia and Gus did not have a great marriage. She had left at some point when Louise and Richard were younger, and after she moved back into the family home, she and Gus did not share a bedroom. So while they were living together, it doesn't really sound like they actually reconciled. So Patricia leaving Gus didn't seem completely out of the question since she had done it before, but during the time she lived outside of the home, she was still in contact with and regularly saw her children. So leaving and not calling Richard on his birthday or not calling anyone else in a few days still seemed odd. The next day, Richard went over to the house because he was in the area for an appointment and he wanted to see if there was any news about Patricia had anyone heard from her. 
When he got there, Louise and her partner Kieran were there as well as Gus. After talking things over, Gus and Richard decided they should report Patricia missing. It was really Richard who pushed for this, but Gus didn't object. Kieran didn't give an opinion one way or the other, but Louise said she didn't think they should. Patricia had left on her own, and they should just leave it until she decides to reach out again. But Richard insisted, so he and Gus went to the Garda station that day to report Patricia missing. The report was filed, but because multiple people in the house were talking Gus, Kieran, Louise, and Louise's oldest daughter, Stephanie, all reported that they either saw or heard Patricia leave the house of her own free will. So this was not considered a suspicious disappearance. And the family didn't really hear anything for 10 days. Richard had talked to Louise, Gus, and Kieran about what happened, trying to figure it out, since he was really worried about Patricia. But no one had any more information than they gave him that first day. Then on June 10th, a week and a half after Patricia was reported missing, a body was found, but not a whole body. People picnicking in the Wicklow Mountains, about 30 minutes south of Patricia's home, found that their car window had been smashed and a purse was stolen. They walked along the ditch to see if the thief had discarded the bag nearby. That's when they saw what they thought was an animal carcass. Until they realized an arm was sticking out. What they had found was a human torso. At 7.30 p.m., they called 999 to report it. While the grass under the torso was flattened, it wasn't dead, so it looked like the torso had not been there for very long. Others in a different part of the mountains called to report what appeared to be organs on a rock. And over the next few days, searches would find more body parts. There didn't appear to be any attempt to hide them, really. They weren't buried or even covered up with leaves and brush. It looked more like they were just thrown out of a passing car. Two days after the torso was found, and after it was all over the news, Kieran Green went to the Garda station. He told the front desk that he needed to talk to an officer about the torso found up on the mountain. And Kieran told the officer that the body was Patricia's, and he knew this because he had killed her. He then gave a confession. He claimed it was in self-defense. He was getting out of the shower on May 29th when Patricia came into the bathroom screaming at him about something. During this argument, Patricia picked up a Hurley that belonged to one of the kids and started hitting him with it. A Hurley is a stick used when playing the sport of hurling, which is a pretty country-specific sport, except it is played in Gaelic clubs around the world. Basically, if field hockey and lacrosse had a baby, it would be called hurling. For those who are unfamiliar, a hurley 
is like an ice hockey stick with a stubbier blade, but not quite the same as a field hockey stick, but somewhere in that family. According to his confession, Kieran managed to get the stick away from Patricia, and he hit her back. He said he fell and blacked out at some point, and when he came to, Patricia was lying on the floor and there was blood everywhere. He then first buried her body, returning later to dismember it and scatter it in the mountains. And then on hearing this, the Garda allowed Kieran, who just confessed to murder and dismemberment, to leave. As odd as this sounds, a very distraught Kieran walked out of the station after what he said. The thing is, Kieran's confession did not match the evidence as they understood it at the time. Due to the state of the remains and some measurements taken of the bones, it was initially believed to be the body of a 20-something-year-old male, not a 60-something-year-old woman. At this point in the investigation, they had not recovered all of the remains, particularly the head. So they had limited information to go on. So basically, they didn't believe Kieran. I don't know if they just thought Kieran was some unstable person wandering in and telling a story or what they thought about his confession, but he was not arrested. The next day, June 13th, Kieran went back to the station to continue confessing. I have never come across a case of someone so eager to get caught for a crime he was on the verge of getting away with, possibly with the exception of Colin Howell. That's actually another Irish case. I should probably cover it at some time, but go look up that case. That is someone who got away with murder and then decided he should actually go to jail for it and confessed. In this case specifically, in the case of Patricia O'Connor, Karen Green said he was confessing because the guilt was killing him. In this second confession, he did give more details surrounding the murder. Karen said that after the initial argument, Patricia had stormed out of the house, which was in line with what Louise said happened when Richard asked her where their mother was. But he said that Patricia came back around midnight when everyone else, I guess, was sleeping, and that's when the final argument with the Hurley happened. After he blacked out and came to, Karen said he carried Patricia up to her bedroom. When he realized she was dead and he had to do something with her body, he carried her back downstairs and put her in the trunk of her car. Kieran then drove south to Wexford, a good hour and a half from Dublin. He dug a shallow grave and left her there. But several days later, on June 9th, Kieran was worried she would be found where he left her. So he drove back down there, dug her up, dismembered her, and put her body parts into plastic bags. When he drove through the Wicklow Mountains on his way back to Dublin, he scattered the remains. It was the next day that Patricia's torso was found. 
to prove he was telling the truth, Karen took the officers to the initial grave to show them where it was. Scraps of fabric in the grave matched the bold style print that Patricia tended to wear. And this was the same time that more information had come in, meaning, as gruesome as this case is, more body parts were found. They were able to confirm that the body in the mountains was a woman, and after they found the head, they could pull dental records and confirm the identity was Patricia O'Connor. And it was at this point that Kieran had confessed twice, and was arrested. The autopsy on Patricia's remains showed that she died from blunt force trauma to the head. She had suffered at least three strikes with a solid object. That largely aligned with Kieran's story. But there were no signs of defensive wounds or any other injuries from the fight that Kieran had described. Now, whether they were obscured by decomposition would be a matter for a defense attorney to argue, but the police were not finding any signs that there was a fight and that this was self-defense. The autopsy did confirm Kieran's story about her being dismembered after a period of time after her death. Kieran told the police that things had built to this violence, violence he claimed was started by Patricia. He said that living with Patricia had been, in his words, a nightmare, particularly since her retirement. He said she threatened his life and his children's lives to the point that the children were so afraid of Patricia that they would hide under the table when she would start to get angry. But even though other people in the house also had trouble with Patricia, Kieran insisted that none of them knew or helped with any part of this. Kieran was alone when Patricia was killed and covered it up by himself. The reason Louise and Stephanie and Gus thought that Patricia had walked out on the family was because she did. What they weren't aware of was that she came back later around midnight. So after killing Patricia and disposing of her body, Kieran just let the family continue to believe Patricia had walked out. He said he didn't want anyone in the house to know what happened. It wasn't until a couple of weeks later, after he dismembered her, that he couldn't take the guilt anymore. And he confessed to the family they encouraged him to go turn himself in. But Kieran was going to continue to insist this was self-defense. Patricia had hit him first. He believed Patricia was capable of killing him because she had, according to Kieran, tried to kill Gus before by shoving him down the stairs. So Kieran disarmed her and hit her back only to save himself. She fell back, then he fell back, he blacked out, and he really just did not remember the details 
like exactly how many times he had hit her. Karen also said that the guilt didn't really set in right away. His initial feeling was one of relief. After burying Patricia's body, Karen said he felt free because his kids were finally safe. But it eventually nagged at him, driving him to confess. The investigation was looking to prove or disprove elements of Kieran's confession. It seemed odd to the investigators that Kieran killed Patricia during a heated argument that no one else heard. In this small house, he then carried her deadweight body up the stairs, completely on his own, carried her back down, put her into the car, and left long enough to drive the three-hour round trip to bury her, and not a single person in that house noticed. It seemed unlikely, but possible, until you consider the bathroom. Between all of this moving the body, somehow Kieran had also cleaned up all of this blood before anyone else in the small house noticed a single thing out of place. Kieran managed to do all of this overnight between midnight and 6 a.m. while seven people in that house slept soundly nearby. The timeline was just not really making sense for Kieran to have been able to do all of this, and it made even less sense given the neighbor's security footage. The O'Connor's house was an attached unit, so their next-door neighbor, having CCTV on the outside of his house, essentially meant most of their home was covered by cameras as well. The neighbor, a man named Sam, allowed the investigators to not just watch the footage from May 29th when Patricia was last seen. He let them take the whole hard drive, and he told the police that the O'Connor family was aware that he had security cameras and that they covered part of their home. The CCTV from the neighbor backed up a lot of Kieran's story, particularly him leaving late at night even carrying a shovel to go bury Patricia's body. But the security footage contradicted Kieran on one big point. He said no one else was involved in killing Patricia or getting her body out of the house, but the police were thinking this footage said otherwise. The video, as far as I can tell, has not been released to the public. I cannot find it anywhere so I won't be able to do a YouTube after show with this information like I've done in other cases, but they have released time-stamped details of what the video shows, so we'll go over that. There appears to have been two cameras, at least, that could see the O'Connor house, one near the front of the house and the other in the back. The camera in the back could actually see a little bit into the back of the house, not just the yard, but inside that back room. So the important parts of the footage pick up at 6.30 in the evening on May 29th. Patricia was seen going into her house through the front door. 
about five minutes later, she could be seen at the back of the house inside wearing a floral print dress. At 6.52 p.m., Kieran was seen closing the curtains in the back of the house. A minute later, Louise and her 19-year-old daughter Stephanie left the house through the front door with the younger children. Three minutes after they left, Gus left as well. So Kieran and Patricia were home alone at this point. At 8.44 p.m., nearly two hours later, Kieran opened the curtains in the back room. 20 minutes after this, a little after 9 p.m., Louise, Stephanie, and the kids come back to the house, and about 10 minutes later, Louise, Kieran, and Stephanie were all seen in the backyard talking. Around 9.34 at night, so about a half hour after they had this conversation in the backyard, someone wearing a green jacket with the hood pulled up walked out the front door carrying a suitcase. According to the family, this was Patricia when she stormed out. However, she was not wearing the dress she was wearing in the other footage that was confirmed to be her. A minute after this, Louise walked out to the end of the driveway, looked to the left as though she was trying to figure out where Patricia went, and then went back inside around 10 p.m. Louise repeated this. At 10.05 p.m., Stephanie walked into the house through the back door. She was carrying what appeared to be a coat and a suitcase. This was odd, to say the least. Stephanie had been seen entering the home a little after 9 p.m. There was no footage of her leaving again, yet here she was, somehow outside the home again and going back inside and going through the back door, which the family generally didn't use to come and go because the alley back there was usually crowded with kids' bikes and stuff like that. Now, at 10.23, Gus returned, and then at 10.59, Gus and Louise were at the back of the house talking. Kieran said it was around midnight when Patricia returned and the fight happened, but the footage does not show Patricia returning through the front or back of the house at all. It was around 12.40 a.m. that it appeared Kieran removed Patricia's body from the house. While this was not caught on camera exactly, the car was backed out of the driveway and then backed in. Then you can see a man going to the car with a shovel. So this is presumably when Patricia's body left the house. The person who never came back. So again, big question mark in the family story. Another bit of footage showed what looked like Gus at the back of the house, possibly closing a door. According to Kieran's timeline, this would have been after Patricia had been killed, and it's a very strange and awake thing for someone to do when Kieran was claiming Gus and everyone else slept through everything. The car left the house at 2.09 a.m., presumably driven by Kieran, since he did buy fuel and an LED lamp at a gas station. 
Kieran then arrived back home at 5.54 a.m. At 6.13, he was seen putting clothing into trash cans in the yard, and then he spoke with someone in the house shortly after that. He then took his kids to school a little after 9 a.m. The family was shown the footage, separately, of course, and asked to give statements on what they were seeing. When Richard saw it, he said that the woman leaving the house was not his mother. Though he couldn't see the woman's face, he said he believed it was his niece, Stephanie. He said he could tell both by her build and that she walked more quickly and lightly than Patricia did, or even could, at 61 years old. And if it was Stephanie who walked out with the jacket hood pulled up, it would explain how she got out of the house to then turn around and come back in later. But Stephanie said it was not her leaving through the front door. She was not pretending to be her grandmother. She said that when they returned from the park, Patricia was alive and well. She could hear her upstairs banging around, and then Patricia came down the steps with the suitcase in her hand. Patricia said she would be back when the old man pops his clogs and get what's hers. Basically, she'll be back when Gus dies and she can get her inheritance. Stephanie said that her grandmother had been having a hard time since retiring and mostly spent her time watching TV in her bedroom, which she had to herself. Her grandparents got along okay, according to Stephanie, but Stephanie knew Patricia had left before, so while she was a little surprised her grandmother was leaving, she wasn't shocked when she walked out. As for the footage of Stephanie coming back into the house through the back door, she said her mother had asked her to go get a bag from the shed, and she was just doing as she was told. She was asked how she left the house to get to the shed, front door, back door, out a window, something. She couldn't remember. She had no idea why the camera didn't see her leave to go to the shed. And when Louise was questioned, she backed up Stephanie. That was definitely 100% Patricia leaving, not Stephanie. Louise also expressed some dismay. She was a little disturbed at the footage. She knew about the security camera, at least the one in the front, probably the one in the back, but Louise was surprised that they could pretty much see into the back of the house. She even asked if that was against the law, against her right to privacy, which is a fair question. I can't imagine if I found out my neighbor's security camera had been inadvertently or otherwise recording the inside of my house. But this was a murder investigation. No one else was that concerned with Louise's privacy concerns in the moment. Louise answered police questions a few times, but I'm going to just consolidate her statements into one cohesive storyline of what happened that day, according to her, from her perspective. Louise repeated what everyone else had said, that life had gotten more difficult with Patricia after she retired. She said Patricia was verbally abusive, saying that she should have aborted Louise and that 
Louise should have done likewise with her own children. Patricia had a hair-trigger temper that made those in the house walk on eggshells, and they barely got a break from it since Patricia didn't often leave the house. On May 29th, Patricia was in a very bad mood and tried to even hit Louise with a teapot in the head. The arguments they had that day had to do with smoking weed, something about a cat, and then the deal with the car insurance and the minor accident. With everything so tense, Louise and her father took the kids to a nearby park to get away from Patricia and to give her some time to calm down. Louise was not sure what time they got home, but Patricia was alive and well at that moment. Louise was using the bathroom when she heard Patricia leave the house. She didn't know where she was going, where she intended to go, and that's why she walked out to the end of the driveway to see which way she went. But Patricia was out of sight by the time Louise got out there. And that is what we see on CCTV, more or less. Someone stormed out, and a minute later, Louise did go out as though looking for her. Louise said it was two weeks later that Karen confessed to having killed Patricia. She told him to turn himself in. In spite of everything, Louise loved her mother. She didn't want anything bad to happen to her, and she was very upset to learn that she had been killed. Louise's story lines up with the footage, but the investigators think this was staged. The family knew the front of their house was covered by the neighbor's camera. This theatrical storming out and then Louise looking for Patricia at the end of the driveway seemed like a show for the camera because eventually they had to know someone, probably Richard, was going to notice Patricia was missing. The police pushed Louise a bit on little aspects of the CCTV footage. They asked, why did Karen close the blinds right when she and the children left the house? They asked if Louise left to get permanent peace from Patricia, as in she and everyone else left so that Karen could kill Patricia, that this was premeditated. This is something Louise denied vehemently. Louise said her mother was alive when she got home from the park. Had she come home and found Kieran had hurt Patricia, she would have decked him. She continued to claim that the person on the CCTV footage leaving the house was Patricia, and Kieran's confession was, to the best of her knowledge, true. Patricia came back, fought with Kieran while everyone slept, and then Kieran covered up the aftermath. Louise said if she was aware of this midnight fight and that her mother had been hurt, she would have called for help. The investigators also confronted Louise at some point with something they found on a search of the home, a suitcase. In Gus's bedroom was a suitcase identical to the one the person who left the house had. Louise said it must have been one of a set because her father was a gentle and kind man. He would never have had anything to do with the murder or the cover-up. But the authorities didn't buy it. 
they believed Stephanie dressed up, left to get the storming out of Patricia on camera for the sake of the police. But was this the family helping Kieran cover up something that happened, or were they involved in a planned murder of Patricia? The initial theory was that they were involved in the murder, and Louise, Stephanie, and Gus were all arrested on suspicion of murder in September 2017. However, what the prosecution had was Kieran taking the full blame and saying that no one else helped him. So regardless of their suspicions, they couldn't prove it. All three were released while Kieran remained in jail to face the charges alone. But then Kieran had some second thoughts about this. Six months after his arrest, Kieran's story changed. In December 2017, he told the Garda that he had been set up. Kieran's new story was similar to the first one, still claimed that Patricia had attacked him, that they had struggled over the Hurley, and that he had hit her once or twice. But that's when the story begins to change. In the new story, Patricia then got control of the stick again and started hitting him again. She hit him in the stomach, knocking the wind out of him, and he fell to the ground. While Kieran was on the ground, Gus came downstairs and yelled at Patricia. He asked her what the F she was doing. Patricia then turned on Gus and tried but failed to hit him with the Hurley. Gus, who somehow, I don't know how, happened to have a crowbar nearby, hit Patricia twice with it, and she crumpled to the ground. So it was not Kieran's blows with the Hurley stick that killed her, but rather Gus with a crowbar. Pretty much immediately, with Patricia in a heap on the bathroom floor, Gus told Kieran that he had to take the rap for him since Gus did what he did to defend Kieran. Kieran said that he and Gus brought Patricia's body upstairs, and a few minutes later, they told Louise what happened. Louise said they couldn't just leave Patricia in her bed, so they brought her downstairs, put her into the trunk, and then Kieran drove to County Wexford to bury her. Kieran also said it was Stephanie who stormed out of the house, pretending to be Patricia for the sake of any witnesses and any cameras. When Kieran came back after burying Patricia, Louise had cleaned the bathroom. Kieran wasn't done implicating the family in the crime. When Kieran decided to dismember Patricia and scatter her body after he had buried her, he enlisted a man named Keith Johnston to help him. Keith was Louise's ex-partner, and the father of her two older children, including Stephanie. Keith went with Kieran to various stores to buy tools and other items needed to dismember Patricia. The two of them went to County Wexford, where Patricia was buried, together. Keith then tossed the tools in Daughter Valley Park, which is about 10 minutes from the O'Connor family home. 
Keith had also helped fix the bathroom up, removing grout and painting the walls to cover up any blood evidence. In early January, after Kieran's new story and using the information he gave them, the authorities searched Daughter Valley Park and found two hacksaws and a hatchet, which were things Kieran specifically said they bought for the dismemberment. Hair found in one of the hacksaw blades was matched to Patricia. So why did Kieran suddenly have a change of heart overtaking the rap by himself. Kieran's explanation was also the reason many doubted his new story. While locked up, Kieran found out that Louise and Keith had started seeing each other again, or at least he thought they did. While he was stuck in jail, looking at decades, if not the rest of his life locked up, they were living it up scot-free. So things either went the way Kieran said they did the second time and he took the rap only to get backstabbed in the end, or Kieran made up a new story to implicate the family to get back at Louise and Keith for their relationship. And of course, the prosecution has to determine how that's going to play for a jury. Gus being the one to deliver the killing blows cannot be proven. There were no cameras in that bathroom. But the part of Kieran's statement that could be proven, circumstantially at least, was that the family was involved in a cover-up. They had the CCTV footage outside the home that did implicate them. And then they had receipts that did pull Keith into the conspiracy. When searching the family home shortly after Kieran's first original confession, the police found these receipts for various purchases around the time Kieran said he dismembered Patricia. They were able to pull CCTV footage from some of those stores, and they saw Keith with Kieran as he bought 30 black trash bags, two pairs of work gloves, two hacksaws, two small axes, two knives, two pairs of rain boots, and a bunch of other things. Keith admitted to the police that he was with Kieran when he bought these things. I mean, how could he really deny it? He's on security cameras. But he claimed he didn't know why Kieran was buying them. But the items purchased do seem to implicate Keith. Why did Kieran buy so many sets of two? He got two pairs of boots, two pairs of work gloves, two hacksaws, two knives. Why did he buy everything in pairs as though two people would be working side by side to dismember Patricia? If Keith wasn't involved, why didn't Kieran just buy one of all of these things? Keith also claimed to the police ignorance over the bathroom refresh. Keith had remained close to the family in the years since he and Louise had split up, his children were living in that home, and he was working in the bathroom just to help them out. He was a handyman. They needed their bathroom redone, and he was just being a nice guy. The investigators pointed out that the family hadn't regrouted or done really anything to the bathroom in 10 years, and suddenly there was Keith ready to work on it right after someone was murdered there. Keith admitted 
He knew there had been some big blow-up at the house, but he didn't know the details. Just that Patricia had stormed off. And as he cleared out the grout, he did have it in the back of his mind that maybe he was cleaning up something he shouldn't be cleaning, something like a crime scene. And he admitted that it all looked bad for him, but he didn't knowingly have any involvement. While he had a little question in the back of his mind about what really happened, he didn't have actual knowledge a murder occurred. He said he didn't learn Patricia had been killed until Kieran confessed to the family, and he was one of the people who urged Kieran to turn himself in. The evidence the investigators had at this point still pointed to Kieran as the one who hit and killed Patricia. Even if they believed his story about Gus coming in swinging with a random crowbar he found somewhere, Kieran's original story would be a sticking point trying to prove that in court. Kieran had a motive to lie the second time, and like I said, no way to prove one way or the other. But between the camera on the outside of the house and the receipts and the camera showing Kieran and Keith shopping together, they believed they could prove the family was at least involved in covering it up. So by October 2018, the Garda had five people under arrest. Kieran Green was charged with murder, and Louise, Stephanie, Gus, and Keith were all charged for their alleged roles in the cover-up. Kieran was going to argue self-defense at trial, but that was going to be a battle. He had no photographs of his injuries. If Patricia had hit him multiple times with the Hurley, and he fell backwards and he passed out at some point, meaning he was hit pretty hard, where were his bruises? Where were photographs of his bruises? Where was someone who saw him in the days after Patricia's death who saw a bump on his head? He had none of that. And when Patricia was crumpled on the bathroom floor, where was the call for help? If this was truly self-defense and truly justified, why cover it up? Why not call for help? At trial in January 2020, the prosecution case was that Patricia had been killed between 6.35, which is when she was seen at the back of the house, and 6.57 when Gus left the house to head to the park with Louise and the kids. The children were being purposely taken out of the home so they would not witness anything. After everyone returned from the park, they carried out the ruse of having Stephanie leave and then proceeded to get rid of the body. Everyone involved in this case pleaded not guilty, but 75-year-old Gus O'Connor changed his plea immediately before the trial was to begin. There was the least amount of evidence against him, and he pleaded guilty to essentially filing a false report since he already knew his wife was dead when he reported her missing. The fact that he pleaded guilty was allowed in the trial and was used against the other four, which implicated them to some degree. The trial lasted seven weeks, and it covered the case against Kieran Green and the charges for impeding prosecution against the others. Kieran's defense leaned on his second story, that Gus did it, 
but they added in a twist of his first story, that Patricia had attacked him first anyway. So if Kieran had happened to inflict the fatal blow, it was still self-defense. He didn't do it, but if he did, it was self-defense. But the main piece of evidence against Kieran's version was the complete lack of defensive wounds on Patricia. There were no signs she put up her arms to block the blows coming her way, which brings in the question if she was taken by surprise rather than this occurring during a physical fight with Kieran that he said she started. Kieran's defense said that the jury could consider Kieran's first statement, which was a confession of self-defense, but the second story, the one that the fatal blows were inflicted by Gus, was the real one. They said that Kieran had some type of developmental or learning difficulties that would have meant his first story was impossible. It would have been impossible for him to have come up with everything and all these plans by himself. He just didn't have the ability to do it. Like the defense, the prosecution was trying to sell a combination of story number one and story number two, but the opposite facts. Kieran acted alone in the killing, but not alone in the cover-up. They didn't have a smoking gun against anyone, but they did have a lot of pieces. When the jury took the case, the judge advised that they first deliberate on Kieran Green and then move on to Louise, Stephanie, and Keith separately rather than try to parse out four cases all at once. So this ended up being a rollout of verdicts rather than a single announcement. On February 25th, 2020, after four and a half hours of deliberation, Kieran was found guilty of murder. The next day, Stephanie was found guilty of impeding prosecution due to her role in the cover-up. The day after that, Louise was found guilty of the same, and the day after that, Keith was found guilty. All three of them continue to deny involvement, but I think the security footage spoke louder than their defense. The judge, Justice Paul McDermott, thanked the jury and exempted them from jury service for the rest of their lives, which was a well-deserved thank you for the work they did. The sentencing for all of them, including Gus, who had pleaded guilty, was set for April 2020, but the COVID-19 pandemic saw courts closed around the world, so it was delayed until June. Richard gave his victim impact statement on behalf of the family, on behalf of the family who weren't convicted of being part of this crime, of course. It's really heartbreaking to think about everything he lost. His mother was murdered in his childhood home, somewhere he always felt safe. His family had lied to him again and again to cover this up. What kind of relationship could he even have with them after this? And then when the truth came out, he saw Patricia being painted as a violent ogre who threatened to kill children and attacked people, a version of his mother he saw very little truth in. We do have to remember that these reports of Patricia's behavior after her retirement are coming from people also trying to justify what happened to her. 
The judge had harsh words for all of the convicted. He talked about how the cover-up denied Patricia even the smallest of dignities. He chastised them for finding time to stage a major cover-up, including this production of Patricia storming out, but not sparing the few minutes it would have taken for them to call for help. The judge did not consider just the impact of this crime on Patricia's sibling, son, and grandchildren, but also the impact on those who found her dismembered body. Innocent members of the public trying to enjoy a beautiful day out experienced serious trauma because of Karen and Keith's decision to leave her dismembered remains out in the open in the Wicklow Mountains. Stephanie, who was 22 at the time, and Gus, who was 75, were both sentenced to 18 months imprisonment. 41-year-old Louise was given two and a half years. 43-year-old Keith Johnston was sentenced to three years. And 35-year-old Kieran Green was given a life sentence. Life sentences in Ireland are reviewed by the parole board starting at seven years but the average length spent in prison on a life sentence in Ireland is 18 years. And that doesn't even mean he'll get out in 18 years. That's just the average. The longest-serving prisoners generally serve around 30 to 35 years, though there are two who have served into the 40- and 50-year range. Appeals do have to be lodged within 28 days after sentencing, and only Kieran and Keith did so. It's been eight months since that point, and I've not seen any information regarding the status of those appeals. As they serve their sentences, I can't help but think of Louise's other children. Their grandmother had been killed in their home, Their mother, father, grandfather, and sister all went to jail. They lost so much here. And of course, Patricia, who lost more than anyone. After working hard to support her family, including adult family members, she had been able to retire at the age of 60 and looked forward to the time to enjoy her hobbies. She could bake and garden and watch TV and just do whatever she pleased. And a year into that, she was murdered. As her son Richard O'Connor said after the sentences were handed down, the time given wasn't enough, but there really was no sentence that would be long enough in his eyes. He said Patricia was a loving person who had many years left and they were taken from her. Thank you for listening. You can find Crimelines on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Crimelines is also on YouTube, where I post two to three true crime videos a week, including an occasional after show where we go over any visuals from that week's podcast episode. Crimelines is also on Patreon, where I offer early and ad-free episodes as well as bonus content. Visit patreon.com crimelines. And if you want to buy me a coffee, the official drink of Crime Lines, you can give a one-time donation at basementfortproductions.com slash support. And if you need a palate cleanser after listening to heavier true crime shows, check out Rusty Hinges, an occasionally funny history, mystery, and true crime podcast that I co-created and write for. <laughs> <laughs>